1: Welcome to Planning for Win, Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. Today, we'll be discussing income solutions for mortgage qualifying, and Kimberly Davis Holder is joining us today, and Kim is a mortgage loan officer, and Kim, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how the listeners could uh, contact you later?
0: Uh, Yes. I work for Southside Bank, and I am registered with an NMLS, which is 780089. Uh, My cell phone is one of the easiest ways to contact me. That's 817-946-9515, or an email, which is Kimberly.Davis at Southside.com. I've been a mortgage lender for 19 years and been in the banking industry for 25.
1: All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And what we're going to talk about today, folks, is qualifying for mortgages and different solutions for that. And um, we wanted to key on a couple things. So when people qualify for a mortgage or are trying to qualify for a mortgage, um, when they're going through a divorce or after a divorce or when they're retired, the situation changes a little bit. And normally what we find is that people can qualify, but maybe it's a longer process. There's a little more red tape, if you will. And even though people can have assets with substantial zeros behind it, uh, primarily what we find is that the lenders are looking for sources of income. And when we're going through a divorce or after divorce, that situation can certainly change, sometimes permanently or temporarily. And then when we have our retirees, um, their sources of income can change, and a lot of times we see it being reduced. And we wanted to talk about different solutions for those folks. And if we also have time, maybe we can talk about uh, the self-employed, how this could be a solution to them as well. So, um, Kimberly, if you'd like to start off with how we normally look at the qualifying side of it briefly and then talk about um, the solution that we're going to talk about um, that, frankly, I didn't know about until very recently. And I think most people out there... Uh, are not familiar with it as well, but um, I think it's very useful and certainly has its place.
0: Correct. Um, Asset depletion lending is not something new. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a program that Fannie Mae has offered for quite many years. Um, The program is a little convoluted, and you have to have a history of taking a distribution uh, from your assets. We saw so many people that had assets, but were not taking distributions, but things were coming up in their lives, such as a divorce, going self-employed, that it didn't make sense that we were not able to lend to them. So the bank came up with a portfolio program um, that we house. In-house, we don't sell off the loans. We keep them. Um, we look for a minimum credit score of a 680 Mm -hmm. on the program for our clients to qualify. Um, For example, you have a client that is divorced. Um, The spouse has been a stay-at-home mom, so does not have any work history. Um, She receives a cash settlement. Mm -hmm. Um, She then has to go buy a home. At that point, we cannot use the child support If she's receiving spousal support, we cannot receive that unless they have already been receiving it three to six months. We can show proof of that in a continuance of three years. So we're stuck usually at that point. And what happens is they end up taking that money and paying cash for a home. Well, this doesn't give them anything to stand on because now they're having to survive off child support, possibly spousal support and then find a job, start employment from the beginning. What we do is we take their settlement amount that is non-retirement based, if they are under the age of 59 retirement age, and we look at the house that they wanna buy. We will subtract the down payment, um, which is anywhere from 5% up, depending on the program that they wanna choose. We subtract out the closing cost, We'll take whatever figure is left and divide that by 36. And that is how we give them a monthly income. And we don't have to worry about counting the alimony, child support, separate maintenance income.
1: Okay. So I I wanted to mention kind of the inside baseball that when someone's going through a divorce, there's a team sitting around a table trying to find out how this works for both couples and um, how we can provide an income stream for the one spouse that needs to find a a second home. And sometimes it's because the situation is, um, the couples don't need to be around each other and they need their space, which is understandable. And prior to the divorce being finalized, they need, um, if it works out, a home to live in um, and it helps process amazingly. But the problem is, as you mentioned, there needs to be a history there. And in the past, we have been able to set that up with three months' worth of history, and that's changed. And then it has moved into six months, my understanding. Correct. So sometimes we don't have that six months to set up the income stream for the couple um, while they're needing to be apart, and it complicates the situation. So, if something needs to happen prior to that six months, then a lot of times the answer is, as you were alluding to, that we look at the assets that are there and then maybe somebody wants to take a large sum of money out uh, for the purchase of the home or a substantial down payment and it creates issues longer term because maybe those assets could be better used somewhere else. So, we've been challenged with finding this solution and, you know, the ability to go in and use assets that um, weren't there, that that we haven't been able to use in the past is a big thing. And it's a solution that I don't think a lot of people who work in the family law area are aware of. In fact, I, I know they're not. Um, they're very familiar with setting up the income stream of now six months, but to be able to use assets that what I would call non-qualified, the brokerage accounts, separate property accounts. And then we're gonna talk a little bit later about you know possibly using an IRA account, which is a really big deal and, and can answer a lot of, of, of the questions. So um, it's just a, a big tool for us and it's very useful. And a lot of times um, we do need a situation where the couples need to not be in, under the same room and this is really easy to do, and it makes sense for a lot of people without depleting the assets. Um, um, so it, it, it's just a big game changer, folks. And, and, and um, hopefully that um, in some later episodes we can just talk about and continue how big of a change it is because, because um, it, it is very important.
0: I mean, yes, and and typically you had to wait for a couple to be divorced um, to be able to pull equity out of the existing property to give to the ex-spouse. But what we have seen is, you know, with that holdup, again, usually they don't want to be under the same roof. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, even if in the middle of a divorce it is not finished and both parties are agreeing to you know, the separation, and they're separating the assets, and they can have a Rule 11 agreement Mm -hmm. signed and filed while they're still going through the rest of the divorce. But that Rule 11 shows the separation of the assets, how much that person is going to receive. We actually move it into a different account just in their name and their non-retirement funds, because the person's not retirement age, Mm -hmm then we can use those funds immediately. There does not have to be a waiting period at all.
1: Right. And, yeah, I really wanted to emphasize how important this is because a lot of times when people go through a divorce, when they talk to a realtor or a mortgage lender, my experience has been a lot of times these people will tell them, wait until after the divorce, which doesn't help the client. It doesn't provide a solution to them. And the main reason they're telling them that is that uh, they don't want to mess with the situation and they think it's complicated. I think the main reason they tell them that is because they don't have a solution for them. Correct. And they don't want to tell them, I don't have a solution for you now, but come back later and, and maybe we can work something out. And the odd thing is, sometimes depending on the agreement that the couple reached or the divorce decree, the language that's in there, sometimes we see issues where one or both spouses has issues qualifying for a home after the divorce or refinancing for the divorce so it's not really something you want to have a conversation about afterwards so hopefully the team that you're working with is bringing this information to light and helping you make decisions along the way and it's a much better process when you handle it before or know how you're going to handle it afterwards but I literally hear a lot of times, uh, I visited with a realtor, I visited with the bank or the lender, whoever you might be l- using, and they, they want to go on to the next person because they don't have a solution for you.
0: Right, and it, and it actually, just like you said, it actually can help both parties, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have a situation where both spouses worked and brought in close to the same level of income. Obviously, separating and one keeping the house, whether it be for long term or short term, the other person needing to buy a property, how can they carry the debt load that they are given? And as part of the divorce decree, it usually tells you that you need to refinance that property into your name alone. So it's nice that you we are able to use whatever assets are left that were not separated plus that person's income the one that's keeping the home, and use this program even to help them refinance to qualify for everything that they need to carry. Okay,
1: gotcha. So when we're talking about purchase a home, is this the primary home or is it the lake house, the second house? How does Um, that work? Asset
0: depletion can be used for any house. It can be an investment property, a second home, or a primary residence. Okay. The down payment is what will change depending on what that is. Okay.
1: So we're not just li- limited to primary residence, which that's good. Correct. Okay. And um,
0: and even construction. We okay. have a construction program, mm-hmm. and we can even use that to help them have enough income to show that they can even go and build a home with a custom home builder.
1: Okay, great. Um, now, it needs to be their, um, their home, not a third party that they're helping or something along Correct. it. Okay. Okay. Correct. Okay, all right. So you can't help the kiddos with their home.
0: You can help, but you would be a co-signer okay. uh, on the loan with them, mm-hmm. and your your assets could be a form of the income, um, but if you're going to buy it and the kids are not going to be on the house, it would be an investment property loan.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So, we talked a little bit about accounts that, the assets that aren't retirement accounts or qualified accounts. So, if, could you walk us through and talk about the differences, if there are any, when we talking, let's say, for an IRA account, Uh, um, an individual has an IRA account, Um, the brokerage account or the checking account doesn't have substantial dollars in it to help them, Um, and the bulk of the money is in the IRA, which in the past, we would have said that that's illiquid money, and um, it's not usable uh, to qualify for the purchase of a home, which I think when you talk to people out on the street if you will that's the notion that they'll explain but obviously right. that's not the case
0: when you are retirement age um you are allowed to use any liquid asset that you are able to pull from without any penalty um, so we will look at your regular checking your regular savings if you have any regular cds then if you're retirement age, we will look at the IRAs and the stuff that you have with your financial advisor, your financial planner. Um, if there is any question of the product itself, we would ask for the terms and conditions that the bank or the company has with that IRA, and as long as they state that those funds are available to you at no penalty at any time, as long as your retirement age, then we can use 100% of those funds. Okay,
1: great. So when we say retirement age, what age are we talking about?
0: Uh, The legal age that you can take a distribution um, without having penalty. You obviously would still be taxed as income. So, you know, you're 59 and a half.
1: Okay. Yeah, so um, that's important. So that's why I was asking. Yes. And um, so 59 and a half on most investments is the golden number. There, There could be a few exceptions, but that's the golden number. And then after that, there's not a penalty, as you were saying, to, to, to make withdrawals. Um, now, um, are we capped at a certain age limit? So let's say we're 70 or 75, so it doesn't exclude uh, the older folks, correct? Not at yeah. all. That okay. would be
0: age discrimination against okay. fair lending. So mm-hmm. you can be 85 years old and come apply for a mortgage loan. Okay. And the
1: interesting thing is... Um, When we look at divorces these days, there's different age groups that we see a lot of. And it kind of shocked me. And the most common that I run into, and I think other professionals, is the marriage is 20 to 30 years. Mm -hmm. And then a second, um, but I think it's gaining quickly to be the number one, is what we would call the gray divorce. And that's folks who have been married 30 years or more So that could be people um, in their 50s. It could also be people, uh, when we look at additional years, 40 years of marriage, 45 years of marriage, that people are easily into the late 60s, 70s, and late 70s, and that's very common. So um, they might have the combination of um, there's assets there. They've worked hard. Uh, Maybe some of them are primarily tied up in retirement accounts. They could be retired or about to retire, and again, this whole income situation is going to be changing just because of their age, and then when you throw in the possibility of divorce, there's a lot of changes going on, and um, uh, so it's nice to have solutions that are there, uh, because sometimes, uh, unfortunately, the longer the marriage is, sometimes the more complicated it can
0: be, Correct.
1: and um Having different solutions are nice. Um,
0: It is, because our goal is, with this program and and being a bank, our goal is not just to get them a home loan. Um, Our goal is to, with every client we have, is to set them up where we're being financially responsible for this client and setting them up in the best way. We don't want someone to deplete all their assets and not have money for an emergency, a car accident, you know, a health issue, or buying a new home and having an issue with the house, um, and then, you know, they're they're stuck. They have no income. So, our idea, whether you are retiring, whether you're divorced, uh, whether you're self-employed, is to take your whole picture and say, okay, what makes most sense what makes most sense on the length of the mortgage, the amount of down payment, your monthly payment, your income, your assets so that we can set you up the right way for success. We don't want foreclosures. You know, we don't we don't want people to to suffer cuz home ownership is a big deal at any age of life. And so it's you just depends on if you're the the 20-year-old just starting out Or if you're the 45-year-old that got laid off that now has come back as a contract employee, Mm self-employment, that's a whole nother deal, Mm -hmm. you know, versus the divorces.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people um, incorrectly think, especially during divorce, is if I pay off the house, um, then I'm financially secure. And um, that's not always the case. We see a lot of times that later people can't afford the home they're in. And in a lot of cases, the need was um, before the solution that we're talking about, they, they pay off the home with assets or they pay off a big part of the home with assets. That means they have less of the assets, obviously, at a later date. And then they realize that I can't afford the home because the taxes are upkeep. And the income needs that I now have um, years later that I didn't think were going to be there, and they've got a lot of money sunk into their home. So having this method to use your assets as part of it without using all of the assets to pay for the house, um, in, in some cases, it's a lot better to have a note because you still have the bulk of your assets. And the easy way to say this is it's usually easier to come up with a monthly note than 10 years later when we have substantial needs that are there and they don't have the access, access to these assets because it's sunk in the house. You know, the home doesn't produce income No, in most cases.
0: No, definitely. And, yeah. and we want them to, there, you know, there's a risk in investing your income and then there's a risk in buying real estate. But if we can minimize that risk and put as little into the house as possible Mm -hmm. um, for you to be able to cash flow and maintain that mortgage payment, um, you're being able to ride the bubble, the Mm -hmm. real estate bubble of values going up and down and the market of what your money is doing as, you know, as the stock exchange and presidents change Mm -hmm. and everything, you're, you're able to balance both. Um, but exactly, if you pull everything out of one ship and put it into the other, and you bought your house at three hundred thousand, and goodness, you know we have a pop, and then it's only worth two hundred, mm-hmm. you've just lost that money, and there's not a chance to regain it right. for a long time.
1: Gotcha. So we talked a little bit about the uh, asset depletion qualifying for uh, mortgages during the divorce. And earlier you had mentioned a little bit about the self-employed. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit um, because when we're looking at income, um, lenders look at different types of income differently or where you're employed. Right.
0: Um, when you're employed, they look for a two-year um, employment record, um, and they usually like it to be within the same field of work, especially when you go to self-employed um freddie mac will require depending on your credit score and the rest of your picture sometimes only require one year of self-employment tax returns fannie mae and most lenders will require two years and that's because in the first two years of starting a business is when you have majority of your losses and your write-offs because you're starting the business and where they're doing everything legal and they're allowed to have those write-offs what happens is it offsets against their income And so it makes their income as a loss or very little. So they can't qualify for anything, but yet they really can. It's just because of the write-offs. So what we're able to do is, if they have the assets, is when they're self-employed, we're able to use those assets as that form of income so they don't have to worry about what they're showing on their tax return, what they're legally supposed to do. Because then now what they're doing is, they're not setting themselves up correctly because they're telling their CPAs, well, let's not write off as much or let's structure this a different way, and they're hurting themselves of what they could be doing just to qualify for a home.
1: Sure. Well, you mentioned something interesting. Um, you know, the folks that I would just call self-employed, whatever that means. Um, it could be a, a person in commercial real estate. It could be a person that owns a machine shop, a whole uh, – some cases, different professions, doctors and such. So a lot of times we hear, um, I'm having problems qualifying. My income has ups and downs. Uh, I certainly have a history, in the case that I'm talking about, I have a history there of income. Uh, I have assets. Um, but these were the stories that we were hearing in the past of, you know, I've got good credit, I've got assets, but my income fluctuates. and. People on commission sales, for instance. Definitely. So, you know, you'll see those folks, um, maybe they have a year or two's worth of income set aside, in some cases more. Um, They have other assets because they know the market that they're in or the occupation that they're in has cycles. And maybe they're in a down cycle and they're like, my income was not what it was three years ago, but I'm still doing okay and no one wants to talk to me.
0: Right. Um, When you go to the bank and if you are self-employed or commission-based and 25% or more of your income is from commission, um, they will require two years tax returns. Um, If the income has increased, they will average over a 24-month period. If your income has decreased, they will take the worst-case scenario and give you that lower income. Um, so that is where definitely we could still use that income if there is any there. So that helps them, but we definitely can use the asset program along with that. Okay. So it helps offset that income. So we would look again at all of, you know, their age, their credit score. We would look at what size house they're buying and we would go through the formula with them of how much income we could give them.
1: So so with your experience, do you find um, you're able to answer more questions and provide more solutions to the self-employed, the people going through a divorce or the retirees, or is it just kind of a combination of all of the above?
0: It's a combination of all the above. The program really is developed for people who have assets mm-hmm. um, to help them reach that goal of home ownership for whatever the reason being. Um, especially, you know, like clients who, you know, maybe nothing major has changed, but they're both still working. They're not retirement age, but they have investments. Um, They're wanting to buy another home, another primary residence. They know they're going to be retiring within 5, 10 years. They want to build a home, but they don't want to go through all the showing and keeping their house clean and Mm -hmm. leaving at the last minute. But they're saying, hey, I don't know how we're going to qualify for two mortgage payments. So this program was even developed for someone like that. So we take their income that they have now. We look at their assets. They're able to qualify to build or buy a second home. Mm -hmm. They're able to move into it, get everything settled, then put their house up for sale, not have to be there. It stays clean, not bothered with showings. And then they can turn around, sell that home, and then with the proceeds from that sale, that limits, you know, I mean, that gives them tons of options of what they want to do with that money. Do they want to put it into investments because they know they're going to retire in five years? Do they want to turn around and make a large payment down on the new mortgage um, to shorten the term? Or we have a program that we call recasting um, that they can put a large down payment and uh, for $250 instead of a full refinance, we will re-amortize the loan. So their interest rate stays the same, the term of the loan stays the same, but their payment will drop. Okay.
1: So roughly how long has this program been in, in place with your company?
0: Uh, I would say at least three years. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And it's just it's not been promoted a mm-hmm. lot. Um People are focusing on more first-time homebuyer programs, doctor programs, different things out there, and I have seen a need for this, and this has been just a passion of mine because I like to help people, and I just saw where this program can be used in all of our products, mm-hmm. and so that's my goal is to get out there and educate and help people achieve buying a home.
1: Well, I'm glad you are. When, when I was made aware of it, I was very excited because it. it checked a bunch of boxes that we were having problems with. So um, we're going to take a break. And when we, ba- when we come back, we'll uh, learn more about uh, income solutions for mortgage qualifying. Uh, we'll be right back. Thank you.
0: Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing.
1: This is Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. And uh, thank you for listening. We're going to continue with Kimberly Davis-Holder and talk about income solutions for qualifying for mortgages. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we, we covered a few areas where we talked about uh, couples going through divorce. We talked about what I would call self-employed people, people who have changes in their income. And now we wanted to go on, move on to a part that I have a lot of interest in, and that's how this may be a solution for folks that are pre-retirement or during retirement. And I, and I kind of want to give a few examples first of what we have experienced with our clients and relate what they have their experience and then uh, how this could be a complete different change and I think uh, provide a solution when appropriate and have it a more enjoyable experience, if you will. Definitely. So. What we have experienced with our clients is they've worked very hard. Uh, there's assets there. They usually have a long term employment history. And regardless of what age they're t- deciding to retire, whether it's 59 and a half or 70 years old, a lot of times people then um, want a different home. So uh, maybe they're moving just down the street or maybe they're moving to another state. And what they have been experiencing is that, especially after retirement, that their income has changed. Um, They can still have a pension, they can have military retirement, they can have substantial assets, but when they were qualifying for homes in the past, they had an income stream from employment. And when that income stream is no longer there, and they're getting their income from other sources, a lot of times we have a reduction in that amount of income or the income that could be available. And in some cases, it's a substantial reduction, but yet they have substantial assets. And and of course, the clients had good, good credit scores. So their experience when they were uh, employed is things went very smooth and very fast and there wasn't a lot of red tape and the required documents were gathered, but it really didn't create a headache or they didn't experience anything that they didn't already expect. What happens is when they retire, that changes and they're really looking at them differently. Mm-hmm. And um, we have had clients that have spent literally months and weeks gathering information that no one's ever asked before and they're asking it now because they're retired. And They weren't aware of this program, and they didn't know their assets could be used to help them qualify. And frankly, it was a nightmare, and a lot of people bailed out in the process because they said it's not worth it. Um, You know, I've worked for decades and decades, and we've been productive people, and we have substantial assets, but now I'm not the same person I was before I retired, and it's been very frustrating for them. So you're going to be able to explain a different procedure in a different atmosphere, if you will, that where the accounts that were in brokerage accounts and even in that now could be in an IRA, we weren't able to use them or they weren't aware that they could use them to help qualify, but, but now we can.
0: Correct. Um, you know, it's whether you have someone who knows that they're one to two years out from retirement, mm-hmm. so they're starting to plan and look at where they're going to roll over their 401k. Um, or someone who is just newly retired and has already rolled it over um, and trying to decide how much income they want uh, to live off monthly. So like you said, they have different streams. It could be only Social Security. uh, They could be retired military as well, have some of that, uh, possibly even a pension. So with those forms of income, it's just the normal documentation. It would be, you know, your 1099s your social security awards letter, your pension awards letter, and we can use that income immediately. Um, And then if that is not enough to qualify for what they're trying to do, their objective with buying the new home, um, then we go in and look at the assets. And all we require is two months statements, all pages of those assets showing what they're able to use. Um, and then we just do our figures, you know, our calculations from there. So it is very easy. It is not uh, 10 more steps just because we're using asset depletion. If they're a client that is a year out and their money is still in the 401k at the office and their retirement age, what we would ask for is not only either the most recent two-month statements or quarterly, because sometimes companies will only do quarterly statements, we would ask for their terms and conditions. And as long as the terms and conditions say that they can pull it out without a penalty and how much of a percentage they're able to pull out without a penalty, those those funds can be used as part of the assets for asset depletion. Um, As you and I have discussed also, if the company will only allow that client to roll those funds over, then at that point we would advise them to speak to a financial planner, representative, roll over the amount of funds that they need to help them qualify, and as soon as they're in that possession and we track it from the 401k into their investments, we then immediately could use those funds at that point for their income. Okay.
1: Well, um, I'm trying to stay in my chair because what Kimberly is talking about is is just not what we normally experience. And when money is in a 401k or an IRA, it's kind of hands off, if you will. And it really hasn't been able to be used for anything other than income or potential income. And that's one of the benefits of being in these retirement accounts. Um, In some cases, it's not liquid or it's semi-liquid. But when you can potentially use those types of accounts to help someone qualify for a mortgage, I, I think that's a really big deal. Um, and what Kimberly was talking about is that um, when the 401k uh, the plan documents allow them to move over the assets while they're still employed, it's called an in-service distribution. A lot of people aren't familiar with that term. And unfortunately, the companies don't convey that information, and
0: the plan certainly
1: doesn't convey that information, that um, depending on how long you've been there, uh, there usually is a percentage of a dollar amount that can be moved out of that 401k while someone's still employed. You're still going to be employed there and move it over to an institution of your choice and hopefully someone, a financial advisor that you're already working with, and you know for all practical purposes it moves into your current ira as a rollover Uh, technically the term is a little different but the mechanics of it if you will are the same Um, so we're not triggering a taxable event we're not penalizing you in any way uh, creating a taxable event Um, so it's kind of a win-win situation it's helping you qualify for your potential mortgage and then In a lot of cases, it's beneficial because it's moving additional dollars over to hopefully the person you're already working with, and I think there's advantages sometimes to what that advisor could offer in lieu of sometimes what our 401K options are.
0: Correct, and you just brought up another good um, point of another reason that I love this program so much is in the past, um, when this program wasn't offered or people didn't know about it, and they were wanting, they just newly retired, moved all their funds over. They would go to their financial planner and saying, hey, we want to buy our final home, our final dream mm-hmm. home. We want to pull out $250,000, 300000 build this home, and then once we sell our other home, we'll pay you back. Well, not only have they lost what they could have earned in the market, but they're paying fees, Of selling and they're going to be paying fees of buying on reinvesting and so this program not only helps the client Mm -hmm. keep that money in the bank and and let it ride the market you know the gains and losses but it's saving them the fees of all the transactions they're having to do with the buying and selling which is nice right
1: well no it just opens up all kinds of possibilities and um it, it provides another option or another tool that Again, I want to emphasize I don't think a lot of people are aware of. Um, so it's, it's nice to hear new ideas and new possibilities because um, it's just a way to add value to your clients, to our clients, potential clients. Um, so um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's an easy five, ten-minute discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone wants to know, do I have enough assets to qualify you know, how much income can I get off of these assets? Um, I mean, it, it's a five, 10-minute conversation. I don't have to pull credit. I just need to know what you have and what you're looking at doing. And it's just, you know, pen and paper together and walk through it. And if you like what they have to offer at that point, then we would go in and look at the credit, you know, and take that part of the application. But if someone's just curious, I can sit down with the attorney. I could sit down with the financial advisor Mm -hmm. and be able to walk through what each spouse would be able to use as income in that situation.
1: So so I'll ask a, a question that we hear from clients and probably that you've already heard. So let's say we're a Texas resident, okay. and we're looking to have either the primary or secondary home out of state. Are we still able to do that? That's correct. Yes. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So do, crossing a
1: state line doesn't matter.
0: So. No, we okay. do a lot of second homes in mm-hmm. Colorado, mm-hmm. Florida, you know, the the typical places people like to have a second home or retirement, mm-hmm. and that's not an issue at all. Okay.
1: Do... um. Do you notice that um, when people reach out to you that they're coming from uh, a referral from maybe a professional that's already working with them, or is it just the normal mode of how you would find clients and contact them?
0: With this program in particular, it's coming from a client, it's a referral from a client that just used the program, or from a financial advisor or an attorney. Um, real estate agents haven't really paid much attention to this program. I think that it's just so beat into their head that the divorce has to be final or you have to be self-employed for X amount of years. And the real estate agents have so many other rules and stuff they're trying to keep up with on the real estate side. It's hard for them to know two jobs. Um, so that is kind of my goal is to get this out here for education for everybody to know hey, you could make another sale or you don't have to wait to buy that house. Especially now when we're in a market where interest rates are increasing, you don't want someone that, to wait another year and a half if that's what they think they have to do where they have the assets and they can do it now.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, trying to think of some more examples that I've seen. Um, the, the example that I was talking about previously where a client is retired and then they're trying to... Um, build their dream home, if you will. Um, You you know, that process took months and months and months and years and years worth of statements. And, you know, frankly, at that point in someone's life, they don't really want to deal with things that could be easier and more streamlined. And it's kind of a shock to them that, you know, I've done everything I was supposed to do And I worked hard, and I saved, and I sacrificed. And then to hear people sometimes say, we can't do that, or if we do, uh, it's more involved. And um, I mean, it's just a shock to these people to hear that they have to go through this process when, you know, this is nothing new to them. They've been qualifying for homes for 30, 40, sometimes 50 years, and Um, and they have
0: great credit, right? and they have assets, and why are you asking me for my DNA, right? you know, to qualify again?
1: Well, and then another example just popped into my head because I I can remember this. Um, We have a client who's a business owner, Mm -hmm. and they had a uh, very successful successful business, uh, 40-plus years, Mm -hmm. uh, substantial assets. Uh, The type of business that they had, they had a substantial line of credit with uh, a bank, Mm -hmm. and they had done financing or mortgages through this bank Uh, so they retired sold the business Uh, this bank is completely aware of their financial situation Uh, they went to qualify for the small just for asset benefit um, to qualify for a home it was the smallest home they had ever tried to qualify for and this person that they had a relationship for 40 years um, wouldn't qualify them for the loan And there was no reason to, but they didn't want to deal with it because the income had changed and they didn't have the solution to help use their assets that were there. And, you know, the client got very frustrated and went somewhere else and found a solution. But it was a shock to them that, you know, if I could tell you the details of that, which I can't, but, you know, the assets that were there and the lending history that was there, and it was like a new person had walked in and sat at the desk uh, and asked, you know, could we put a loan together for us? And they were very disappointed. And obviously, they don't do business with that institution anymore.
0: Right. And that and that's very frustrating. And that's one thing is this is a portfolio program for mm-hmm. us. So as people are listening, you know, I don't want you to get frustrated with your own bank because mm-hmm. they just may not have a program like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, if your own bank can't do it, please, you know, reach out to us. Um, We would definitely like to walk through it, you know, and sit with your financial advisor, sit with your CPA. We want to make sure that we're setting you up the right way with the plan of your team, Mm -hmm. if you will, your financial team. Um, Another kind of client, as you're speaking, someone like that is we're noticing more and more high net worth clients. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't want to give all of their documents. Right. They don't want to expose everything, especially when they feel like I can buy six houses mm-hmm. with the money that I have in the bank. I'm just asking to qualify, you know, for a regular mortgage, and I even want to put 20% down or more.
1: Well, you hit on something key there. So um, w- what I would call the wealthy people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they have a history of building that wealth. They usually... Um, limit the amount of people that are aware of their situation, mm-hmm. meaning that have all the details, and usually it's a financial advisor, maybe an accountant, and usually that's it. And they don't want to have that information available to the public, um, whether it's in a large city or especially when you go to a small city. And a small city or a small town could be 100,000 people. It could be 5,000 people. And maybe the general public knows that they're probably successful and financially secure, but they don't want the people to know the details. And sometimes people act like professionals in that situation and and sometimes other people don't. And limiting that information, uh, especially in a small town when you uh, have a long family history there and there's in-laws and daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws, not having that information there and being able to go to an entity such as yourself and saying, um, we can do this. Um, and It's not going to be shared uh, at the bank around the corner or nope. the coffee shop, um, I think is important and probably more, imp- more important than most people realize until they get into that situation. And you have to walk into a room with someone you're not familiar with and provide them these documents that, really not a lot of people should have access to. So, yeah, I can definitely see that.
0: Right. They don't want to expose everything. And Mm -hmm. what I like to do is I don't want to give any more information that's needed. (laughs) Uh, Being in lending for 19 years, an underwriter's job is to make sure that someone is going to be able to pay back the loan and qualify. Mm -hmm. So they're the detective. Mm -hmm. Okay. So usually the more information you give allows an underwriter to dig more. So my job, um, in this is sitting with the client or sitting with their whole team and looking at what their objective is what their, their goal is what we're trying to accomplish and putting together a program that I have to ask for the least amount of information possible and that information will come from them or their financial planner their CPA directly to me I put everything together you know and it, and it all stays in-house which is nice.
1: I was going to say, I think people are going to appreciate that. Uh, if, if not before, I think afterwards they certainly yes. will. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So, well, that, that's good to know. Um, so we've talked about uh, possible f- solutions for divorce, uh, self-employed or changes in employment, and the retirees. Um, you know, and the interesting thing is, we've talked about those on an individual basis. Um, those different scenarios could be one person or one couple. Correct. Yeah, so I, I think one of those situations um, when you're in front of someone else could be a challenge because they don't have the solutions that y'all potentially do. But when you combine those other scenarios together, which, which I think are probably more common than we think, then um, it, it's it, it. There's a lot of added benefit and a lot of added value. I think so. Um, wanted to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And Kimberly, if listeners want to reach out to you, how can they contact you again?
0: Um, The best way is um, either my cell phone, which is 817-946-9515, or my email, which is Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y dot Davis at Southside.com. All right.
1: Well, thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. Uh, You can join us next month, the last Tuesday At 1 p.m., or you can check us out online at Lone Star Community Radio. Thank you.